Ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I'm Mr. Warren Hayes. Thank you for joining us tonight, today, whenever it is. Look, I'm recording this podcast on October 20, 2022, and it is an auspicious occasion because this is going to be the last Thursday night on which I am recording the Mr. Warren Hayes show. We got to get this we we got to get this this housekeeping a little out of the way before we get into the nitty-gritty stuff here. Starting next Tuesday, October 25th, the Mr. Warren Hayes show will be recorded live on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. So become a member, subscribe, come see us live if you can. It's a new night, new time, new people, some old people, some familiar faces, some not familiar faces. Everyone is welcome. I hope you guys can make it. Uh, and that's what we're going to be doing. So what that means is that everything is happening on Thursday. So the Mr. Warren Hayes show video on demand will be available on YouTube the very next day on Wednesday instead of Friday. And if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, if you're listening to this on the podcast feed, well, it's going to be news for you as well. The uh, Mr. Warren Hayes show will then be available late night uh, uh, on Tuesday evenings or early morning Wednesday. So it'll be available for your Wednesday commute at the very least or your, you know, if you're doing third shift on, on Tuesday nights, I'll be able to be along with you. So it's the big change. It's a big, a big moment of change there. I'm excited about it and I hope you guys will be along for the ride as well. Uh, you know, I've always appreciated everyone who's listened and your support all these, uh, all this time. Every, I've been doing the Thursday nights forever, it feels, uh, ever since I stopped doing uh, uh, recap shows. So we'll be transferring over to, to Tuesday. So hopefully I'll be able to see you there. Um, then on top of that, I'm also doing a, an AW review show. Uh, and uh, well, I did the first one this week already because uh, AEW was on a Tuesday. So that was released on Wednesday. So technically, there's still going to be Warren Hayes content on Thursdays because that's when I'm going to be releasing the uh, the AEW review show. So the AEW review will no longer be a part of the Mr. Warren Hayes show proper. It'll be its own thing. Again, available on YouTube and uh, on the podcast feed as well. So you'll be able to access it wherever you are. Maybe you've even listened to the AEW review right now. If you haven't, why don't you give it a shot? Give it a listen. It was a very, very, very busy, very uh, eventful AEW Dynamite this week. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so uh, it's a good time to check it out. It's the first one and the first of many. I can tell you that much. But as it stands for tonight... Thank you very much for being here. Leave a like. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. L subscribe to either to the YouTube channel or whatever uh, 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 channel or podcast application you're using right now. Subscribe, join, follow, do it all. Become a member of the Discord. Leave some super, some super thanks in the comments on YouTube. There's all sorts of stuff you, you, you're gonna, you can do. Because we're talking about a lot of stuff tonight. A lot of business talk. I enjoyed tonight. It was a lot of fun. And we talk about Carl Anderson and the Never title. Anyway, let's hop right to it. Thank you for being here. See you next Tuesday. And now, I guess we can, uh, I guess now, what we'll do then is we'll say something nice about Bill Goldberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. When Goldberg is at home eating waffles with his family, he always says to the person picking the last one, Hey, 
Let go my egg Goldberg. Robin Hayes has 52 nice things to say about Goldberg. How many weeks is left in the year? Like, how many weeks is left in the year? Let's hang on a second. I've got, I'm almost done here, right? Let's see, one, two, no, that's it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like 10 weeks still? I'm, but I'm gonna do it. I'm sticking to this resolution. I am going to make this happen. Now, before we get into uh, just anything at all tonight, um, we got some very sad news today that uh, Tristan Nash, the son of Kevin Nash, uh, Hall of Fame wrestler Kevin Nash, passed away uh, today at the age of 26. Um, his family released a statement to Fightful today on Thursday confirming the news. Quote, on behalf of Kevin and Tamara Nash, I have uh, to unfortunately report that their son, Tristan Nash, has tragically passed away at the age of 26. Tristan recently started working on Kevin's new podcast and the two enjoyed their time together. The Nash family asks if you could please respect their privacy during this time. We do not know what the cause of death is at the time that uh, I'm recording this right now. There's, of course, been multiple reactions to this, what makes it, uh, so this makes it absolutely terrible. Uh, at 26 years old, man, look, there's a lot that I relate to in this because my oldest is not is just a wee bit younger than Tristan, and I could not fathom this this type of situation. I could not believe. Uh, I I can't even imagine the heartbreak and pain that Kevin Nash and his wife Tamara are going through. My thoughts to both of them, deepest condolences, uh, and uh, in, in these trying times, uh, we here at the Mr. Warren Hayes Show are thinking about all of you. Um, if you want, again, you know, as I, as I mentioned, uh, I am, uh, I'm not doing any reviews, uh, deep dives into AEW Dynamite on the podcast. It has its own, its own show now, so I'm not going to break down everything that happened, but there, you know, there's, there are still newsworthy elements that I still want to talk about that I did talk about on the, on the, uh, on the AW review show, but I feel, I still think matter here, uh, to talk about them as, uh, as far as news item goes, uh, as, as far as news items go there, I may, I'm able to speak, I promise. Uh, but, uh, Hangman Adam Page at the, uh, during the main event of, um, uh, of, uh, title Tuesday this week suffered an injury took a lariat from uh, John Moxley and uh, the referee immediately called for assistance uh, he was uh, he was rendered immobile was not moving uh, we had uh, medical staff um, hit the ring and uh, th this happened just about 10 minutes before the end of Dynamite and you could tell that everything was sort of thrown into disarray where camera cuts were, uh, camera shots, excuse me, were no longer focused on Adam Page, were mostly kept on Mox 
and the commentary team who were clearly scrambling to uh, make up time. You could tell that Taz at the same time was very upset with what was happening. Uh, the um, He was assessed within the ring and was stretchered out, uh, was not able to make it up onto his feet, uh, which had a lot of people extremely worried. Uh, Adam, uh, the uh, AEW main account then put out a statement on Twitter saying, quote, Hangman Adam Page was taken tonight by medical personnel to a Cincinnati trauma center and diagnosed with a concussion. He was discharged, but will remain in AEW's concussion protocol. AEW and Hangman Page are grateful for the exemplary response and care of staff and uh, and care of staff and local medical pe- personnel and are appreciative of the love and support of fans everywhere. Um, anyone watched that thought, you know, pardon me, anyone who, th- who saw that, who was watching that was uh, uh, found it a, uh, terribly frightening. It was an extremely scary moment. Uh, I was very worried. And, you know, you never want, um, you, you never want, terrible injuries to befall pro wrestlers you know i'm you know I've, i i think my position on this has always been very clear i want pro wrestlers to have uh long fruitful careers uh no reason for them to um i you know i don't i don't want any of them to uh to have their careers cut short because of uh because of the because of injuries because of accidents that may happen and this was clearly an accident on a bump that page has taken multiple times before. It's not as if he was doing something extremely kooky just a little before the early in the match. Like, I mean, early, early on in the match, he was doing a moonsault off of a, a moonsault off of a ledge in the uh, in the audience, in the arena and was flying off of it. So, I mean, that, you know, that was uh, that was uh, uh, unique uh, that uh, that he um that he uh uh as far as Adam Page spots go gets into the ring and does the the spot with the clothesline and they were trading they had each traded a big clothesline you know Page did one to Mox and Mox sold it Mox delivered it and you know and Page sort of did that half rotation that he does often typically and he he just landed so incredibly awkwardly in a terrible terrible fashion um, you know, thanks to some fan cam footage, we were able to see that he was conscious, that he was talking, and those are always good signs. There were reports from the audience that he, you know, he waved to the audience as he was being transported out, waved or a thumbs up, whatever. Um, and it it does end up being a concussion that he got, right? And I think there's a there's a bit of a sigh of relief uh, in regards to the fact that you know it's a concussion and it's nothing worse, but we should not. Uh, we should not downplay what happened, however, because uh, a concussion is still a lingering, nagging injury that is going to stick with Paige for a long, long time. Uh, it has uh, absolutely the potential to get worse before it ever gets better. It's uh, something that he'll be prone for for the majority for the rest of his career and can have uh implications on his well-being uh right into his uh his final days now of course like i said there were look moxley getting on the microphone and saying you know uh, oh he's a tough guy and you know 
and hopefully he'll be able to get back on his feet and play with his kids and and you're like Christ like he was he Mox there was implying paralysis you know it's like oh he can't move and I'm like what like that takes into a dark a really dark uh, tunnel so you know it's like okay well thankfully it's nothing that bad and it's and it's nothing it's nothing as serious as he can't move his legs he's you know his back is broken his neck is broken or any any kind of of awful awful trauma like that um again it's important i think to not downplay the the nature of of, of the injury because you know we've learned so much about cte over the past few years that um it would be irresponsible to just you know go oh it's just a concussion you know and i you know and i've seen i you know i saw these types of responses and uh you know i think i understand that in many cases people are saying oh it's just a concussion in response or in reaction to oh well you know we were expecting something so much worse but it turned out that it, it wasn't so bad you know that's that's the point that's the point here is that it's not something that is immediately threatening his livelihood or his um his uh his well-being you know again that he will be able to do things and hang out with his family and play with his kids and so on and so forth which is crucial right um but yeah the you know the it's it's a it's it's a it's an accident it's like it's it's a silly bump that it, it it's a bump not a silly bump like i said it's a bump that he took multiple times he's done multiple times and just this one time didn't get quite the rotation his body was shot up weird he just lost yeah you know, just something was miscalculated and he landed weird and that's what happened right and as much as people like to go off about you know all these extremely dangerous high spots and so on and so forth most of the time and i'm not saying this is a, a constant but most of the time a lot of these injuries are suffered in very very basic spots or in bumps that wrestlers take uh, multiple times you know the, it, that's the kind of thing uh, that's the kind of thing that happens here and uh and it sucks and and i'll tell you what else sucks it's people who decided to make this uh to turn this into a campaign against AEW or you know the safety and so on and so forth there's always room to talk about safety in pro wrestling don't get me wrong there is always room to talk about it because there are things that are uh, that are ridiculously unsafe and that are difficult to watch. And uh, sometimes you do question, you know, <laughs> the, the sanity of what these pro wrestlers are doing. Sometimes. Um, but within the context of a man getting hurt on live television, doing his, uh, doing his job and in a situation where he ends up uh where you know in a situation that is you know something very regular that he does 
common commonly got him to this place there's no point I mean, there's no there's no call to take this as some kind of indictment as to his level of training or the safety and so on here's the thing that a lot of people maybe don't want to hear but it's the truth pro wrestling inherently is unsafe no matter how many precautions uh people uh, wrestlers can take with each other which they absolutely need to it's inherently unsafe and that's just the nature of the beast people are going to get hurt and there's no amount of training in a performance center or in a in a training school of repute or no that will prepare you for an accident or that will make you less prone to being injured what they will teach you is the best ways to not get hurt but the very unpredictable nature is just uh, of wrestling is just how it is and you can make all the comparisons to you know wrestling in the 80s and so on and so forth this the style of wrestling that is that has been perpetuated today not just like oh the past two three years i'm talking about a good 10 15 years uh and looking into the you know towards the indies the pwg style and so on and so forth um it, wrestling is a much more fast-paced uh uh uh, 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 uh performance sport whatever you want to call it than it ever was it's ridiculous to think that uh it's ridiculous to think that um that, that you could go back 30 40 years from the, uh, back in the past and say well people didn't hurt themselves in this way no because they didn't wrestle this way that's just how things have evolved at this point you know i keep you know there's a lot of friends of mine i don't necessarily follow uh hockey ice hockey but i have a lot of friends who tell me the sport has changed so much in about 20 30 years like you know everything is so fast and the guys get are getting bigger and faster it's not just small guys who are fast the big guys are fast too so you know everyone's skating fast when you run into someone or someone runs into you there's twice as much impact as if you were uh, you know playing the game in uh, 1982 and that's just the it's the nature of how things are evolving again is this a, a dismissal of uh of what uh a safety should be and of of safety in wrestling no of course not but i didn't see anything unsafe happen to adam page it was just a fuck it's bad luck what happened and you can look at it from any angle you can't say mocks through the, the clothesline wrong you can break this down as much as you can you can do all the freeze enhance computer enhance computer enhances that you want it was just a bad fall and it sucks we don't have any timetable on the return of uh adam page as of yet he did get on twitter to thank everyone for uh uh, for their support, for their kind words, for their kindness, 
and he also so you know all that's very that's very telling very good and also very hangman page to do he also poked fun uh at uh, jeff of course and uh he um and uh and, and that's pretty much it he said you know, we'll see how this goes my only hope this is my only hope here you know if we if we're not all just sitting around saying to ourselves oh it's just a concussion it's just a concussion which we should not be saying My only hope is that Paige uh, is, is that Paige is not rushed back. He needs to take some time. This is something that 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 cannot be thrown in. They say that they're following their concussion protocol. I don't know what AEW's concussion protocol is. You don't know it. I don't know it. Can only hope that it's up to standards with uh, with um, CTE prevention and treatment. Don't rush the guy in. Don't rush him back. You know, for his health and for his his pop, like you can take your time with Adam Page, bring him back, and and, and you have lightning in the bottle right now. You know, there there's that golden there there's that little golden nugget that's waiting for us on the other side. Here is that Page is going to uh, Page has uh, has a a, a huge baby face reception waiting for him when he returns now what what kind of plans this gets thrown up into the air i don't know but uh uh at this point we can only sit here and go you know and, and hope that he takes his time to get uh to get back on his feet no longer injured that's the most important thing uh, because concussions are so touch and go you got to be very, very careful not to re-aggravate it because it's a hell of a condition moving forward. But we do hope that uh, he gets well soon. All of our best vibes are with him. Since we're on the topic of AEW and so on and so forth, I feel like it's been a very uh, eventful uh, week as far as little news items regarding um, regarding uh, AEW. Um and uh, one of the uh, one of the things that happened on Tuesday night, right? Because of course, Dynamite was on a Tuesday this week. One of the things that that happened that people were were picking up is that Tony Schiavone, live and on the air, mentioned the elite for the first time. Was the name of the group the elite mentioned? on AEW programming since the the big fracas fraca fracas i like to say fracas i think fraca is more of a french way to say it fraca but we're going to talk about fracas do not confuse with brackus who is another okay. <laughs> the elite have not been mentioned since the all out business right of course uh, we saw CM Punk uh, 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 footage, I should say, of CM Punk in a Ring of Honor Champions retrospective package, which also, to be fair, included wrestlers uh, under the employ of the other company, including one Kevin Owens, right? And we also saw the Jacksons, Matt and Nick, aka the Young Bucks, 
in a uh, in a uh, commercial for uh, a promo package for this Friday's Rampage. So people are all sitting around and we're, we're looking at all of this and then we're going, hmm, what does this mean? Is the situation finally coming uh, coming apart? Or are we finally learning things? Because look, last week, let's not forget, one David Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer Newsletter uh, uh, bemoaned the lack of transparency from AEW and Tony Khan in regards to the uh, to the situation with the suspension. He reported, if we uh, you know if we remember, he had reported somewhat irritatingly or irritated in an irritated fashion that uh, no one had heard of, about what's going on with the uh, with the suspension. Right? That um, that the um, uh, that the uh, no one involved were quite sure what was going on and. And there was no news coming out of AEW, so a lot of people were a little frustrated, you know. And, and you know, you got someone like uh, Dave Meltzer there, who's like, "This is my bread and butter. I need some news. Why is there no news?" Oddly enough, we find out. We uh, oddly enough, we find out that uh, uh, we find out the very next day that a steal was released. From uh, from the company, I'm going to read this from uh, the Figure Four uh, online uh, website. Dave Meltzer confirmed on Wrestling Observer Radio Wednesday morning that A Steel is no longer under contract with the company. Quote. So he was officially released yesterday. So I guess that is the first bit of news out of that whole situation in weeks. There's a lot of other stuff going on, unquote. Chad, I don't know how you feel about this. You got to tell me how you feel about this. How you feel about the news about A Steel being fired. Uh, I touched on this a little bit on the uh, Dynamite uh, review show, which you should check out. There's going That's the new thing. Be sure to subscribe to the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel to not miss a thing moving forward. It's not just about uh, the podcast anymore. But I did touch a little bit about the, uh, on this, but you know, I I think there's there's room to expand on this a little bit. Um, to me, this is a, these are little breadcrumb like signs that things are thawing. I think uh, this is clearly a situation of uh, stuff coming together uh, that we're finally seeing a light at the end of the tunnel in regards to all these suspensions and who's going on and what's what's happening kind of thing. So what I find interesting here, of course, is that, you know, we see these things happen on, uh, we, you know, we see and hear these things happen on, on Tuesday. They're, it's not big deals, but then the release of, of, of a steel gets announced the next day and... I think I think it's it's a remarkable turn of events. I think it is indeed the first thing that we learn from all of this, and I think it is a sign that things are coming together because this is clearly a this is a clear cut move in regards to trying to patch things up and trying to get things back to how they should be, or at least clear the air, give give some type of resolution. 
Don't get me wrong. Brandon Cutler keeping his job, Pat Buck keeping his job. Uh, who else was involved? You know, everyone who who clearly uh, not no Sanjay wasn't involved. There was someone else involved. Well, I know A Steel was involved, but look, all these people who who returned to uh, to AEW, uh, those were clear signs as well. But we hadn't had much movement on the front up until this point here. What does the release of Ace Steel mean exactly? Brother, it could mean so much. I don't even know. I don't even know what um I don't even know what it can entail at this point. Maybe it was just like, look, you are problematic and uh we need to cut you. It could be something, it could be something, and look, I'm being speculative speculative right now, right? Where this is tinfoil hat situation here. It could be, look, you know, you were clearly at the, you know, at the crux of the situation, hit the bricks. And A Steel is strictly an employee. Uh, he's not a star. He's not a big, he's not a big timer like CM Punk. He's not an EVP like the other dudes. He's he can easily be cast away. And, uh, and if it's done fairly and clearly within this investigation, well, there's no need, you know, to avoid lawsuits and any messy situations. He can be, he can be taken off the chessboard very, very quickly. So on one end, you know, you could say, yeah, you know, he had a certain amount of responsibility in what happened. So hit the bricks. <clears throat> he could also be part of some type of, leveraging bargaining situation as well and again we're being speculative here but it would not be impossible to conceive that one party would require another party to uh to uh, 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 make a significant gesture to show good faith or as a punishment so that we can move on in a medi in a mediation process right you know kind of like uh you know kind of like when you're getting uh, divorced not that uh, i'm familiar necessarily with the divorce process but you know it's like uh all right you get to keep the you get to keep uh, the house but um you get to keep the house but uh i take uh, but i'm going to take all of the living room set and the bedroom set and uh and the man cave kind of thing you know it could be it could be some type of situation like that where it's like look we are willing to meet you halfway or accept your demands but what is the other side giving us can they give us you know firing a steel or whoever the other side is it sure we can do that we can do that now is it i mean you know is it is it is it fair to think that it might be a thing? I don't know if it's fair, but it's plausible. You know, like in this type of situation, there is there's so many avenues. There's so many reasons that for something to happen. We don't know what's going on, right? And that's one of the problems is that we don't know what's going on. A crucial, important, I, I mean, fundamental element here that we have to keep in mind is that AEW is in no uh is in no obligation to be transparent 
with their investigation. They really don't. And frankly, AEW has proven to be very opaque in regards to many contractual situations over the past year. They've proven to be very, very quiet and mum about it. They don't like to talk about it. They don't reveal things. They're very, very secretive. They're a very, very secretive wrestling promotion, which uh, on one point, one point I understand. On another point, I'm like, I'm disappointed. <clears throat> because it would have been, I would have liked AEW to be much more transparent. I would have liked, I really would have liked AEW to be a lot more transparent and change the way they do things, right? Isn't that kind of part of, um, of what they wanted to do? When starting up the company, you know, there's the little catchy change the world slogan that uh, uh, Kenny Omega and the other boys in the elite would would, uh, would prattle, you know. Now it kind of sounds a little, you know, on that front sounds a little more like a, you know, just a slogan than something real. Because if you do want to change the way business is done in wrestling, one of the good ways to prove it is to truly be transparent in regards to what your business how your business operates and how things are going but no it's 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 as it's like any other wrestling promotion before it there's no change there now as i said they don't have the obligation to do it and that is entirely fair and i can i can appreciate that i think however that a little pr work here would have gone a long way um Especially if, because there are many, many situations that would have been avoided. A lot of people, um, there would have been all of these news reports coming out where people would say there are no new updates. Well, that just serves to bring the situation back to light to wrestling fans. And that just makes them more aggravated. Because it's like, well, three days ago you told me that there wasn't anything, and now there's still nothing. So they're they're really not telling us anything. This is pissing me off. So it just it continues a cycle of frustration from the fans who feel like they're getting shortchanged from the company they like. Like it's bad PR towards your fans to not keep them abreast on things, to just not to to not just like say at the very least Tony Khan and all of it because he does media all the time he does busted radio six times a week he does Robbie Barstool twice a week he does you know like he's he's always doing media he could take the opportunity with one of them to say you know what here's the thing in regards to the whole elite CM Punk thing the brawl I cannot say a word about it I can't say a thing. And you know what else that would have avoided? It would have avoided the Ariel Hawani nonsense as well. All situations that could have been avoided and would have created a better public relationship with their audience if there had just been an update. And an update can be very simple. Just the, the boss, the figurehead coming out saying... We're working on it, but there's nothing more I can say. But trust me, we're, we're, we're getting towards a resolution. Now we're just, all it is, is picking and scrambling at stuff. Journalists digging for news because 
No one is talking, so they're they're grasping at scraps, whatever they can get. And I'm not blaming them. That being said, this is not a blame game. It's not like no, no, I because I, I understand the nature of the game that they're doing. So that's what they're doing on their end. Just creates a whole ball of of, of, of a, a big old public relations nightmare. I don't think this is the it's. And this is not a situation. Look, if if this had been a fight between, I don't know, Brock Anderson and, you know, fucking Brian Pillman Jr. This would not even be all that big a deal. But we are talking about four of the biggest stars of your company. Three of which have positions of authority in the company as executives. One of which eh, people seem to imply that he has some type of position within the company outside of his role as a talent, as an on-air talent. So there's a lot of there. See, there's a lot of issues here that that create uh, that uh, that are creating friction with 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 the audience and people getting impatient and there's only so far you can go and uh, as a fan and say oh well there's legal issues and while it is a sensible thing to to argue no one in AEW has ever come out to say specifically I cannot talk about this because it is under investigation and legally we cannot speak about it this has not been stated as an, in an official capacity. We're all speculating. We're all, you know, out of hearsay, out of reports from third parties. This is what we're getting as far as information goes. It's not great. And for a company that developed, that was built off of goodwill, it was a great, never forget that AEW was built as a grassroots company going straight to the base to the disenfranchised wrestling fans that were sick of WWE for the past two decades speaking directly to them getting them excited filling out arenas filling out doing already pay-per-views before even having a weekly show doing all of this connect creating that connection with the fans and now in a moment where there could be a little uh, a little return here a little hey you know what thank you for for coming to all of these uh you know uh these press events that we were doing and so on and so forth thank you all thank you for supporting us thank you for watching bte so here's here's a little update I like to say oftentimes when I you know when I'm chatting with folks about how AEW handle things versus WWE AEW's biggest uh, uh, a commodity that it has in the wrestling space right now with wrestling fans is that it has a tremendous amount of goodwill it has been uh very good in creating moments expectations and living up to them uh, it has delivered on most of what it had uh, set out to make. Uh, and um, and the basic promises are there. P 
people have a tendency to trust AEW. Whereas WWE, we have three decades of them uh, screwing around and uh, taking our allegiances to them for granted. So they oftentimes have, you know, not just flat out, flat out lying and being terrible. Um, so they have, uh, they have a shorter leash, myself included, and I'm okay with that. It's not something I want, I necessarily want to change in, in, in regards to WWE, but as far as AEW goes, you know, this type of situation, they have to be careful because this is the type of situation that can strain fan relationships. This is the type of situation where you become, you can become um, uh, suspicious of your favorite product. And if Tony Khan does not want to sort of become the guy, suddenly the guy that you can't really blindly trust anymore, that you just can't throw your support behind because you know Tony will do something great. If it, if it starts to become that, AEW will be in a naturally easily in a in a losing position as far as fan appreciation goes because they've been tested this year year 2022 for AEW has been a trying year and the relationship with fans I'm talking fans I'm not talking bad faith actors I'm talking fans it's been a very difficult year. But there's, as I said, their main commodity, the, the top thing that they have on their side is goodwill. And I would argue that they still have a lot of goodwill, that they've been maintaining it, they've been doing very good with it. But it will only take them so far. And they really have to be careful about what their next steps are here. The Warren, yes. Warren, what do you think will the elite or CM Punk get fired? Or are all coming back? Well, I'm glad you asked, anonymous person. Because ultimately, that's the question everyone ends up asking. And anyone, anyone who tells you, oh, well, I see CM Punk coming back, or I see Kenny Omega coming back, so, they're just pulling shit out of their ass. They really do. You know, because, you know, I think conventional wisdom would have you say, you have to get rid of CM Punk. He's clearly cancerous backstage. Uh, make things better. Just make things better. That's... You know, that's a way to look at it. Uh, the, um, sh you know, I, I have trouble imagining Omega, the Bucks, anywhere else than in AEW right now. But who knows what's going on? The, the point is that no one, none of us know. I think, look, the best possible outcome here is that everyone sort of got around around the kitchen table or wherever and they sat down and they were like, look, we were all 
fucking assholes. Let's get together, put all this shit aside, and make shitloads of money together. Because we were making shitloads of money, let's continue making money. Instead of doing whatever it is we're doing right now. And on that premise, because I know it is very, very cool right now to hate CM Punk. All right? It's, it's very a la mode right now. If there is one thing that CM Punk is, it's a businessman, smart. Everyone thinks like he's, he's this hothead, but he is a guy who understands his value. And he understands what it takes to make money in wrestling. And this is something you cannot take away from him. So if he, but if he has, if he has this, this sense about him and is able to sit down with Tony Khan, the Bucks, Kenny, and they're all able to hash this out with their lawyers present or not, well, who cares? Like at this point, you know, I'm being figurative here, right? I'm, I'm not saying we're all going to sit around and, you know, a campfire and sing Kumbaya here. That's not the situation. It's a hard negotiations, you know, getting into it, but let's get this done kind of thing. Because we can all make gobs of money together. They still can. Of course, there are a lot of very good businessmen in pro wrestling that made a lot of money that weren't necessarily liked. But, um, you know, I don't want, like, I, <laughs> I don't want to start drawing CM Punk, Hulk Hogan comparisons uh, in the year of our Lord 2022. Um, this will take a few years still. I, you know, let, let, let's let a career play out before. But, you know, I, it would be absurd to not realize that there are some comparisons that you can make. And, you know, a, a lot of people talking about his ego. I'm talking about CM Punk's, right? And how much of a detriment it is to him and so on and so forth. And look, we're going to leave this one time to grow. I don't know who's coming back, but I'm going to tell you what interests me the most in this entire story. And I feel like no one's talking about this. But I also think this is this is critical. This is this is a critical situation here. And honestly, I don't think anyone's talking about it. I haven't heard anyone talk about it. But it's very telling. A couple of weeks ago, we find out uh, 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 um, we find out that uh, uh, John Moxley, right, is um, has renewed his contract with uh, AEW for five years. Something to that effect, and um, and uh, 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 Chris Jericho, right? He's uh, he's also done the same. Uh, this was released. This was announced uh, this week that uh, Chris Jericho's contract was uh, he got an extension on his uh, for three years, and he's taking on new roles. Will serve as a producer and creative advisor in addition to his in-ring role. And you'll remember, and this was announced via uh, a, a press release. And you'll remember when John Moxley was uh, was announced as sticking around. He also.
also was taking on roles, mentorship, working backstage, taking on roles within the company. I wonder what, see, because this type of situation here makes me wonder, what does that mean for the EVP positions? What does that entail for Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and uh, 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 Kenny Omega, if you have guys right now being having uh, having contracts put before them where it's like your roles are growing here in AEW. We are going to make you, we are going to give you more things to do. You're going to have bigger roles here. We've hired Pat Buck, Sanjay Dutt, uh, uh, Madison Rain, and all to take up uh, uh, roles within the company backstage to help out the production of matches, to help lay out matches, to help train the kids backstage, the new kids, and take leadership roles within the company or with, at least, you know, with the talent. I wonder how, what, what is that, how these newfound roles for these two specific talents how that is going to impact an EVP role in the company. From the get-go, Cody, the Bucks, Omega were all EVPs, and these were all very uh, 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 obtuse, not obtuse, that's not the right word. Uh, um, uh, they were all very... Uh, 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 um, um, There were roles that did that weren't they were they had titles, but their roles were never quite clear. Vague. Thank you, Justin. Yes. Very vague roles as to what it meant. Cody probably was the guy who had uh, the clearest role because he was doing a lot of PR. You felt he was involved a lot in the production and putting stuff together. But for the other guys, it was always like. Oh, Kenny's in charge of the women. Okay. Oh, the Bucks? Yeah, they're in charge of merch. Are they? And again, this is a private company, not a public company. So their, their inner workings are not meant to be, uh, don't have to be public. And they, sh you know, they, not that they shouldn't, but they don't have to. They're not obligated. It's not like WWE where you have, you know, the board and so on and so forth. So you know, who exactly are the executives? You know, you're, you're, everything is super clear. But in regards to, uh, in, in regards to what the EVPs do in WWE, let's if uh, in, in AEW, excuse me, let's be all honest with each other. It's always been a bit of a mystery what exactly they do, what exactly it entails, what exactly it means. It's all been speculative. And I see, you know, in the chat, of course, but, oh well, could, you know, so and so had a big role in doing this. Okay. So what is the EVP role? Are they in charge of talent relations? Is it, like, what is the thing? What is their role outside of being a wrestler within the company if they are an executive vice president? Executive vice president of what? What do they do? Now we're turning around and we're giving Chris Jericho, you know, roles in creative and as a producer. We're giving uh, roles, uh, training, coaching roles to John Moxley. How is this going to impact whatever the EVP roles meant. 
And this is something that I'm curious about. Because again, let's not take 60 different, uh, let's not take 60 different roads to get to our destination here when it's a straight line. Tony Khan is running the show. We've been talking about, you know, Vince and whatnot, but Tony Khan runs this show. How would, How are all of these... How is all of this being put in place going to impact the Bucks and, and, and Kenny Omega and their roles as executives in this company? And maybe this is part of the framework that is being laid out in this thawing of the all-out situation. Maybe these are moves that are being put down, there, situations that are being laid out to sort of set the stage for the return of Kenny and the Bucks, but maybe no longer as EVPs. And CM Punk no longer a whatever role he had outside of being a talent. I don't know. I just think it's it's interesting. It's interesting on that front when you consider what's happening that now that things seem to be coming together in this investigation. We, we're starting to see some 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 fragments of stuff appearing. That's interesting on one hand. We see these wrestlers here getting expanded roles within the company, which is already what which is already what Omega and the Bucks had. Expanded roles. They're talent, but they also have expanded expanded roles within the company. And allegedly CM Punk as well. So it's interesting to see how all of this is falling into place. I also think, because here's something very, very interesting. By the way, I want to say, uh, let me take a second here. I want to say a little to Silver Apocalypse. Nice to see you. Welcome. Robert Larry from Cleveland, Ohio. Good to see you. And Hassan Terrell, welcome. Welcome all to the show. Now, here's something else, though. Something very interesting that I thought, that, that I thought about. Um, the... The Chris Jericho press release regarding uh, regarding his his new contract, right? Let's read. Let's read. You know the the, uh, the basically the. In case you don't know what I'm talking about, Jericho signed a three year contract extension with AEW, which takes his deal through December 2025. And with the extension, Jericho will take on new duties uh, in addition to his in ring role. He'll be a producer, creative advisor for AEW, and will continue to uh, mentor young talent. Very close to what Moxley has as well. And this was all outlined in the press release, which was picked up and announced, scooped, if you may, by Variety. Now, in case you're completely unfamiliar, Variety is the biggest trade magazine of the, ind of the entertainment industry. So television, movies, mostly television and movies, right? Because there's billboard for music. But look, it's a business rag. <laughs> and uh, the biggest. And it was picked up first by them. It wasn't anyone else who got this information before Variety. They ran with it as an exclusive. And right then and there, I'm like, the first thing, the first thing that you need to say to yourselves here is, hey, you know what? AEW's relationship with Warner Brothers Discovery is fine. 
We're going to stop once again. Listen to listen to Mr. Warren Hayes, who conducts the best goddamn D-list podcast on planet Earth regarding pro wrestling. Listen to me and not the phony past executives who are trying to tell you that AW is in trouble with Warner Brothers Discovery. Stop because we got more proof once again. You've got Warner Brothers Discovery's uh Warner Brothers Discovery's PR people putting out press releases to Variety and Variety's running them as exclusives. Now, we're going to stop this fucking bullshit about AEW being in trouble. That wasn't the point I wanted to make. What was the point I wanted to make now? Then the point I wanted to make is that Variety picked it up. So this is a big, this is a big deal. It's a big deal for the Warner Brothers situation. I think I uh, Discovery situation. I think I, I think it's uh, like you know, it, it, it continues to prove that AEW is in good graces. But it also shows that AEW is making moves now. Why Chris Jericho? Why? Why Chris Jericho? Why John Moxley? Why do you guys think? And I want you to put your brainwaves to this because I know you guys and gals and non-binary pals. I know y'all are smart because you listen to this great D-list podcast here. I I want you to put your brain to work here and ask yourselves: Why did AEW put out press releases announcing that they signed Moxley and announcing that they signed Chris Jericho? Outside of the fact that they're great talents for the company, why put out press releases? in that regard and saying on top of that that they're taking bigger roles within the company here's my guess and I think it is a fair guess I think Justin Firestein got reason number one and probably the most important reason I think it's the most important reason AEW needed some good press AEW has been plagued for months with shitty press with bad uh, with with bad news left and right coming out of the company they needed something to latch on to to make it pot to make some some uh, 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 lemons out of this uh, some lemonade they couldn't make lemons out of the lemonade but that's also very hard and requires you know levels of genetic experimentation that I'm pretty sure we don't have access to yet as a human species, much less Tony Khan. Maybe the Jags do, I don't know. Look, they needed the good press. It was crucial that they get that they get some out. Signing Mox for five years, that is a great sign for AEW fans. And Moxley, consistent with everything he's always said. I'm not going back to WWE. Why would I go back? I could get to do everything I want to do as a pro wrestler everywhere else. I'm happy, I'm fine, I'm doing great. And now his wife is working for the company. He doesn't even need to take vacations anymore. She's she's there all the time. They can go hang out. They can do they can go sightsee. So 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 that was so that was the principal idea here. Good press. The second thing. I think that these moves that uh I think that these moves that he's making is to show the interest to his bosses, the higher-ups at Warner Brothers Discovery, at how hot the property is, because they can 
make news in variety by signing the big name talent like Chris Jericho, who is a, you know, he's transversal. He does it all, right? And why would they, why does he want to do that? Because, because guys, gals, non-binary pals, AEW is about to get into renegotiations for a new deal. We're all here sitting around talking to ourselves saying, you know, AEW's in a good position with Warner Brothers and Discovery. This should be fine. They're going to be fine. They're not going to be fired. They're not canceling and everything's going to be fine, which I, I sincerely believe. Don't get me wrong. But also, the one thing that we can't forget is that they, they want to renegotiate their deal and they want to get a higher deal. That's why you renegotiate. You want to make more money. Tony Khan, since the, since the beginning of uh, AEW, has renegotiated twice since they started and got significantly higher deals. The question that is on everyone's mind is how big of a deal Tony Khan is going to get for AEW now that all of his allies who were at TNT, at TBS, at Warner are all gone, replaced with these new people who have shown faith, who have shown that, sure, we're behind you. Look, we'll even have you do dis, you know, backstage uh, documentaries. You know, we'll, we'll, we're going to start creating new programming with you. And we're excited for that. Kathleen Finch did that, right? And, um, and they announced it that starting in November, they're going to be doing a backstage documentary series on the show. And that's exciting. So that's proof, again, that, there's, that they want to work with them. The crossovers with Shark Week and Game of Thrones and all that bullshit. That's, these are all important components. They need this synergistic ability to be able to work with the network, to, with their bosses and so on and so forth. The thing here is that TK has to show to his bosses that his that his stuff has value. Now, if he's if he comes in and he says, "Look, we're doing these contracts, and I'm sending these big name people," to me, this is leverage for him. This is a little extra more. This is where he's like, "Look, we signed Chris Jericho for three years. It makes variety. We signed." Uh, John Moxley and look at how good the company's good. Look how every, look, we're securing our top assets. Ms. Finch and whoever will be at the negotiating table. I think these are crucial gets that Tony Khan is, 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 is securing because he's about to embark into the renegotiation process and conventional wisdom at this point would have you believe and I'm, I'm in this, by the way, as far as this level of conventional wisdom, is that the deal that AEW is going to get with Warner Brothers, the, the renewal, Warner Brothers Discovery, will probably not be as significant as it probably would have been before or without the merger when all the allies were still at TNT-TBS. That's what conventional wisdom would bring upon you now if tony khan keeps making moves if AEW continues to bring in big ratings because i spoke about it i think it was on the um uh, i spoke about it on the uh, on a member's stream which you should become a member if you want to hear some extra thoughts and more business talk you know uh if you want to uh, if you want to so become a member you'll have access to that uh ms finch of uh, Warner Brothers Discovery said, you know, textually, 
AEW brings in big numbers for us. So they they know what they have. They know. They know what, what they have in the palm of their hands. It gets ratings. It get, the AEW is always in the top five on Wednesday nights. Dynamite is always in the top five. Uh, for, you know, in the ratings, it's all it always scores high. They're not just going to let it drop because Eric Bischoff thinks that there's no stories in AEW. Come on now. I think these signings are 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 are, are a significant uh, um, demonstration that Tony Khan wants to secure, uh, wants to get more leverage, more reasons to ask for more money. He's like, look. Settling in, we've got all these great assets that are helping this company, that are making waves, that are creating opportunities and ratings for us, and I'm and I'm securing them. I'm locking them down. They work for me. They're going to be working for me for the next five years, for the next three years, so on and so forth. But again, look, since we're talking about uh, business opportunities for Tony Khan and whatnot, uh, we uh, we got some uh, we got some 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 stuff coming out. From uh, Tony Khan, uh, saying that uh, he ha- he is going to have some great news um, for um, uh, Ring of about the Ring of Honor shows. Uh, uh, he uh, said that uh, Ring of Honor plans to have one more pay per view in 2022 and uh, launch a weekly show in 2023. I'm going to read this off of the Figure Four online. Uh, a new weekly Ring of Honor television series looks close to come be- to becoming a reality. In an interview with Sports Illustrated that was published on Tuesday, HW and Ring of Honor owner Tony Khan stated that there would soon be quote-unquote great news about weekly Ring of Honor shows. Khan said there will be one more Ring of Honor pay-per-view before the end of the year and Ring of Honor plans to follow that up with a weekly show in 2023. Chris Jacobs, nice to see you. Welcome to the chat. Um, this is a cons full quote here. We'll have great news soon about Ring of Honor weekly shows. The success of Death Before Dishonor on pay-per-view has ensured there will be more Ring of Honor pay-per-views. Our goal is to have one more great pay-per-view for Ring of Honor in 2022 and then follow that up with, uh, with a right weekly show in 2023. Uh, it was announced on Tuesday. So, okay, before we get uh, too deep into this, this is good. This is good news. And this is, here's the thing. This is what I'm hoping for. Look, I'm going to have to wait to 2023. But I cannot begin to tell y'all how fucking sick I am about the, what the, all of these titles, Ring of Honor? Why should I care about the Ring of Honor titles if they don't have TV? I am so sick of that discourse. And I apologize. If if you if you feel seen by my little my my impersonation there, but I am so sick of that discourse. I cannot begin to tell you how tired and fatigued and boring it is. Boring. I can't. I honestly can't stand it anymore. People bitching about the titles. People bitching about not having a, the why? Why are the titles on AEW? Why is there no Ring of Honor? I am so sick of it. 
I don't if 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 it truly does hamper if the if the idea of Ring of Honor not having weekly TV if it really hampers your viewing experience I don't know what to tell you I don't know what to tell you because you're missing out if that's what's ruining AEW for you you're missing out on some fantastic wrestling week in and week out just like we got this week on Tuesday. I'm so, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of people making this into a big deal where I'm looking at this and I'm like, this isn't bad. This is fun. What kind of, uh, uh, it's taking away from the TNT title. Who cares? They can, the TNT title will continue to be pushed at a later date. Right now they're doing shit with the Ring of Honor world title and, and you, it just so happens the shit that they're doing with the Ring of Honor title is very good. Like, who cares? Just, and it's like any other business aspect, like what I just talked about, you know, with, you know, contracts and renewals, people are like, you know, they don't pay attention to that. But, oh, there's Ring of Honor on AEW and it's all crammed with all sorts of shit. And, and there's, there's, certain t there's certain things I agree with. You know, I am a, you know, if everyone has a title, the titles don't feel as important, right? And I, and I agree with that. I'm com that you know, and to a degree, there's there's a certain amount of pullback that needs to happen. But you know, you know, it's as if it's as if wrestling has to work a certain way, and and you as a viewer can't adapt. You're not you 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 can't like move things around just to just to be like, hey, you know what? Am I enjoying the wrestling right now? Yes, I am, and ultimately, that's what matters, right? If you're getting great matches, that's all that fucking matters. Doesn't matter if it doesn't matter if Ring of Honor has a has a has a, a show on TV or on streaming right now like this right here right fucking second right here doesn't matter it doesn't matter <laughs> what was I talking about oh yeah so so Tony Khan is like look we're coming we're we're coming full circle with this then on 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 Tuesday title uh, it was announced that final battle is going to be indeed the final pay-per-view, the one that Tony Khan had been teasing about, right? So we're going to get a final battle uh, for 2022, which is cool as hell. And again, people can bitch as much as they want. I'm sitting here going, hey, this is going to be cool as hell because every title in, in Ring of Honor has looked great on AEW. And don't you understand that that's also part of the strategy? You know, it's like, Chris Jericho holding the title and all of that, it's to generate attention for Ring of Honor to show whoever the broadcast partner is going to be for Ring of Honor, whoever it is, right? Whoever it is, to show them, look, we can generate interest with this. Look, I put a match with Chris Jericho as Ring of Honor champion and it does great in the quarter hour as far as ratings go. This is a draw, this will work. People, Jesus Christ, come on now. Do you want things to succeed in wrestling or do you just want one product? Because I'm, you know, I am not on that side. You will never have me championing for only one product in pro wrestling, one national program. You just won't. I, you just won't. 
Oh, but it's going to be too much wrestling war and I won't be able to watch it. Don't watch it! I'm, no one is forcing you to watch all the wrestling. You don't have to watch it all. So, again, why do you care whether Ring of Honor has a show or not? What are we talking about? So, the, <laughs> the pay-per-view, the final battle, it's going to be on December 10. Now, here's the juicy bit. Are you ready for this? Fightful Select this week reported that December 10 is tentatively slated for an NXT premium live event. <laughs> Which just happened like a month ago with All Out. So right now, we've got Final Battle and NXT... Again, head-to-head shows. Only apparently this time, Final Battle would be in the afternoon and NXT would be uh, in the evening kind of thing. And Fightful was reporting that the announcement of this NXT premium live event was going to be, was set to occur at Halloween Havoc, which is next week, right? During the debut of the Mr. Warren Hayes show on Tuesday nights. I I'm coming for you, heartbreak kid. The 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 heartbreak child, the the the, the broken heart child, Michael Slim. Is that, oh, it's this Saturday? I don't know. I don't I, I frankly I have not been keeping up with NXT. I've been watching matches that people have been telling me to go watch, and that's pretty much it. I don't want, I have not been watching, and I definitely did not watch it live this week. Um, so, uh, you know, good news. Again, fun things to report on the on the Ring of Honor front. Uh, I think it's interesting. I'm excited to see how this is going to go um, moving forward. Uh, but uh, look, we're starting to feel confident about uh, TV in 2023 for Ring of Honor. I'm all for it. I am all for it. Look, we're talking about WWE a little bit. I've talked quite a bit about um, talk, talk quite a bit about uh, AEW business. Let's talk about WWE business. And if you want me to talk about, uh, if you're like, hey Warren, what were your thoughts about the MJF uh, William Regal promo? Look, it was excellent, and I covered it. On my AEW Dynamite review, which is available on your podcast app right here on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. So feel free to, to check it out. But I thought it was brilliant. One of the best, uh, an all-timer as far as a promo segment goes. One of the best I've ever seen. One of the best, unequivocally, one of the greatest moments in AEW history. But I have more thoughts on it. You can absolutely go check it out. I break it down. We chat about it. It's good stuff. I think it's good stuff. My mom thinks it's good stuff. But yeah, let's talk about day uh, day one. If we're talking about WWE business now, day one, which had started last week, uh, is reportedly reportedly has been reported as being canceled. This was brought to us via WrestleNomics four days ago. Brandon Thurston had the big scoopsy exclusive. And again, look, I can't, I cannot entice you enough 
to go follow Brandon Thurston on Twitter. There's a reason to stay on Twitter. It's for Brandon Thurston, WrestleNomics. Subscribe to their Patreon. It's just, if you want to learn more about the business of pro, of professional wrestling, the, the business side of it, he is an absolute must-have. But he reported, scoop, exclusive, day one canceled, not being rescheduled. WWE's day one premium live event is not taking place, according to multiple sources, is what Brandon reports. The event originally scheduled for January 1st, 2023 at State Farm Arena in Atlanta is, isn't being rescheduled or rebranded. There's no PLE for WWE expected between Survivor Series on November 26th and Royal Rumble on January 28th. We couldn't confirm a reason, but the cancellation could be related to appeasing WWE's business partner, NBC Universal. Now, you may be asking yourself, why would they need to appease NBC Universal, right? Shouldn't WWE be able to do whatever they want? Isn't it? Well, here's the reason why. I'm so glad you asked. And I'm glad you didn't ask in a goofy voice. So <laughs> here's the reason why. Day one would have gone head to head with uh, on Peacock with NBC's last Sunday night football game of the regular season. Los Angeles uh, Rams and Chargers is the last match. Many other neighboring weeknights would obviously conflict with WWE television and holding a WWE event the night prior on Saturday would mean running it on New Year's Eve, which is uh, an awful, awful, awful idea. Day one uh, in 2022 took place on a Saturday in Atlanta and it was believed to be the beginning of a new annual tradition. So that thing is out the door uh, in an interesting turn of events. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Um, now, the question, here's something. That, like there's not much more to report on that front other than just putting some thoughts out there. Right, and you know, and you don't report thoughts, you know. But I want, I want, I want y'all to think about this. In the in the years when Vince was still in the company and Nick Khan had had showed up, there were lots of changes happening within the company. Lots of people fired, right? Tons of people fired during the pandemic, and you know, day one last year pops up and. And a lot of these changes, and, and day one specifically, are all attributed to Nick Khan. Uh, you know, I remember multiple reports of day one being a Nick Khan idea, that uh, this was something that uh, he was pushing for uh, to create a new annual tradition, you know, kick off the year uh, with WWE on the first day of the year, you know, that's that's your it's a, it's a new yearly tradition that we want to do. Not unlike when Survivor Series used to be uh, used to collide with uh, not collide but coincide, excuse me, with Thanksgiving. So and and so I'm thinking I'm thinking this, and then I, I think back at all the people that were rehired recently, all people that were fired under Nick Khan's watch. Right, Dexter Loomis, Braun Strowman, 
uh, Dakota Kai, Hit Row, and so on. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting a couple for sure, but you know, these are the principles that come back. Uh, uh, Karrion Cross. All people that whose firings were attributed to um, to Nick to Nick Khan bringing down the hammer, right, and saying, "Well, budget cuts. We got to make money. We got to make money. We're making it. We have to make ourselves more lean, more lean, more." And these are all these were all attributed to being Nick Khan ideas. And I, and and I found it extremely curious when. Triple H started his rehiring spree, bringing all of these people back. While Nick Khan is still the boss, co-boss with Stephanie, sure, but he's still there. And I'm like, is Triple H retconning everything that that he's that that Nick Khan did? Is Trip, is that what is that what Trips is doing right now? And how does Nick Khan feel about it? Because Nick Khan had a plan, or allegedly, and now we're bringing these people back. Okay. What if none of it, turns out, was a Nick Khan idea? What if it all was, Vince? Because if I'm Nick Khan, and I am co-chairman of the company with Stephanie, and the VP of creative talent or whatever it is the fucking name of those Paul Levesque's uh, position now is I don't remember that has to do with talent and creative whatever creative global creative resources or whatever I'd be like hang on a second here pal I had a plan and I'm still in a chairman position here to get things rolling What if day one turned out not to be that much of a big brain Nick Khan idea? What if this was a Vince thing? What if all these firings were a Vince thing? That the leaning out of the company wasn't that big a deal? Because look, all you hear about, because here's the thing. If if WWE wasn't, because, and you can go back and you can listen to my stuff. I was, I was convinced under the impression that this was that these were Nick Khan moves, that they were leaning out the company for a sale, because you could not have, like, you know, uh, you could not have the roster, the complete roster of talent, the size they had, and only be able to use thirty percent of that talent on your weekly shows because of the number of hours you have, and still pay for like what what was it two hundred and sixty two hundred and eighty people when they started firing folks, it didn't make sense. It didn't make economic sense. And, you know, I was lauding uh, 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 Nick Khan for, for coming in here and going, look, stockpiling humans is not a good way to do business because we're still paying these people to do absolutely fuck all. But now we're back. We're back to hiring people. We're back to bringing more people in. And in the meantime, we hear about contract tampering, uh, you know, for whatever that's fucking worth, because that it's contract tampering doesn't work that way in in, in wrestling. It's not what y'all think. Uh, we have we we have people chatting about contract uh, AEW talent being reached out by uh, by you know uh, WWE scouts now that everyone wants a piece of them. 
what to blow out the wrestler the the roster again so i'm starting to think that all these big brain moves that look like big brain moves just ended up to ended up being vince just tossing people aside and yeah and 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 nick khan was there to take the heat Because then why would you scrap day one and not rebrand it or try to make it on another, uh, you know, on another day and so on and so forth. And, and you're Nick Khan. You're, it, look, from everything that we've heard about Nick Khan and his past in, in, in sports and now here, this dude is a corporate shark. He is a fighter. There's a reason why Vince liked him so much. Because that guy, that guy is vicious. I, why would suddenly Paul Levesque just come up and say, yeah, you know what? We're not doing this anymore. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. That's just a thought. But you know what else doesn't make sense? Carl Anderson being booked two places at once <laughs> for two different shows in two different major companies. So, okay. So last week, I'm going to have a little fun with this. I'm not going to lie. I'm excited to talk about this. Last week, okay, the Good Brothers show up on Monday Night Raw, right? To set off a firestorm. It, a, a, a blaze of, 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 of nonsense appears because he's the, he's the, he's the never openweight champion, a singles champion in, in New Japan professional wrestling, a, a promotion near and dear to my heart, as many of you know. In, in The Observer, meanwhile... Dave Meltzer, the, this week's observer, says that uh, the 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 Good Brothers, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows, did not sign a deal with New Japan, so they were probably on a, a per appearance uh, basis, right? Then it's revealed, though, this Monday that they're going to be fighting the Judgment Day at Crown Jewel in Saudi Arabia, which just happens to be the same day as the last. Battle Autumn show in or uh, yeah Battle Autumn or Autumn Battle excuse me in New Japan show November 5th where Carl Anderson has been scheduled it's on the website it's on cage match it's on the wiki page that he's supposed to defend the new, the never open weight title against Hikaleo And then everyone sort of loses their mind and they're like, oh, well, he could do it because of the time difference. I'm like, fuck off. There is no way Carl Anderson is doing that. For, for the payday that he's getting for WWE, no way he's rushing back to New Japan. What are you new here? And then the Good Brothers post a video this week. They put out a video basically addressing the situation and Carl Anderson's sitting there with the never open weight title on his shoulder and Gallows is next to him. And, uh, and they put out the video saying that they're double booked, right? And that basically New Japan screwed up because New Japan didn't go through the proper channels to book him, which is going through his booker or his agent, whatever you want to call it, Luke Gallows. And this is, this is the quote from the video new japan pro wrestling listen 
I love what you've done for the good brothers through the years but let me tell you something I am the greatest never open weight champion of all time I only work when the lights are bright and November 5 we ain't coming will come on our time the machine gun will tell you when I'm coming to defend my championship now this kids is a work okay there's nothing incendiary this isn't a shoot this is a work this is abs this is absolutely him leaning into the situation being like well let's have a little fun with it right but it, it it all smacks of a work and for all intents and purposes i would think that new japan is okay with it um uh, the good brothers and rocky romero who is the liaison for new japan of america and new japan uh he's an office guy they get along swimmingly they get along swimmingly that's they have a very very good relationship there's nothing here that has me going oh look wow uh you know and and, and uh this is where we're at right now look <clears throat> as much as a lot of uh, there's a lot of wishful thinking and a lot of Google Maps happening and people tracing, you know, the, the 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 path to go from wherever to wherever to make the both shows in the same day. Look, it's it's just not going to happen. It's not going. If you think that Carl Anderson is going to try and fuck up a, a WWE gig, you are insane. Now the 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 assumption here's the thing though is that the assumption. That everyone is running under is that Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows have signed with WWE. They think that. They think that this is that this is a thing. Which you to be honest, to be, is fair to assume because WWE doesn't typically work with anyone unless they sign a full year, a full-time contract for X amount of years, right? It's on their terms. You never come in to really freelance when you're a name, right? But People keep telling me this is a new regime, a new way of doing things with Triple H, right? Despite the fact that we still get, we still get, you know, birthday celebrations and 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 dick and ball jokes uh, in, in on television. Despite that, I keep I keep getting told that this is a new regime, right? So maybe gonna keep an open mind here. Maybe Triple H called the Good Brothers and said, "Guys, we have a couple of dates." We need some bodies. Would you like to make a quick buck? Maybe. Because New Japan has not really reacted yet. Because you know why? It's the fucking Neverweight. It's the Neverweight title. Who cares? Who cares, I ask? I'll tell you who cares. Masses and masses of people online, up in arms, ready to torch the ground calling New Japan irresponsible and stupid. One of the worst moves they've ever done. The prestige of the never open weight title has never been challenged as much as it is now, according to these people. And I'm like, what prestige? This is the never open weight title. The title that literally no one cares about. You thought people didn't care about the IWGP intercontinental title? Holy shit. Have I got another title to show you? Who cares? I'm going to, I'll tell you who cares. I'll, an excuse to bring in the tribalism. You want to think that, you'd think that 
It only exists for AEW and WWE. Look at all these phony pearl clutchers who are sitting around going, oh, but they're precious, precious. Uh, never open my title. It is being besmirched by Carl Anderson in the world entertainment of wrestling. <laughs> oh no, oh no. They are sullying the name of the good title. There are strict rules that New Japan must enforce. Strict, strict rules. They can take the title away. It's happened in the past. John Moxley could not make a defense because he was a typhoon victim. He could not fly in. Oh no. Oh, and they stripped him of the US title. It wasn't his fault. Strip the bastard Carl Anderson. It is, it is a, a, what a disgrace. I cannot believe it. And you can see the shirts being torn, the buttons flying off of them. And then, and then, and, and as their chests are bare and exposed, the sweat beads upon them as they think, as they, as they ponder the great, the, the great universal catastrophe that is the never open way title not being stripped from Carl Anderson ah ah Jesus Christ like I have never seen I have never seen let me tell you, 2022 has, has introduced me to the mid-card of professional wrestling as being so fucking crucial to the entertainment of people like I have never seen in my entire life. I've seen the most mid-carders of mid-carders return to WWE and people are jumping up and down as if it's the fucking second arrival of Hulk Hogan or John Cena. I'm seeing people lose their absolute mind over the mightiest of mid-card titles in New Japan. People lose their minds. I can't... I could not believe it. And I still can't. If this was the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship, we would all be having a very different discussion right now. But this is a mid-card title for lower mid-card people. Don't get people acting like Luke Gallows is like fucking... I don't know, not, not, not even as high as Kenny Omega, not even a, as big a deal as Kenny Omega. Like acting like he's, I don't know, Randy Orton or... Ah, how could he? And this is a title that literally no one ever talks about and no one cares about. When's the, when's the last great... And I'm talking great, never title match that you saw. You're probably going to have to go back to Goto five, six years ago. That's probably the last series of great, I, I'm talking great, never title matches. They're putting it up against, 
Hey, Kaleo! The kid brother of the Tongans, who's green as grass. Sure, a big, tall, strong dude. Don't get me wrong. Carl Anderson's not jobbing to him. And I've seen people online going, that means it's an automatic disqualification. That means it's an automatic win for, for uh, Hikaleo. He should be the title. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Who are you people? Why do you care so much? I have never seen no... I sincerely have never seen so many people care about the never title ever than it had than in the past week. And I can guarantee, I guarantee that this level of enthusiasm that they have for the never title is not going to carry over to the next champion. I guarantee it. Let's say the match happens or whatever and Hikaleo loses the title and Hikaleo gets the title. That's it. We're done. You're not, no one's going to be, you're not going to see your timeline filled with, I'm so excited for Hikaleo's next defense. You are never going to see that. It's just another excuse. It's another excuse to get mad for, 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 for such a bizarre, weird reason. Like, seriously, like, this is the equivalent of getting mad because you haven't seen the 24-7 title on TV for the past three weeks. This is what it is. And, 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 and folks, you know, I listen to New Japan. I love New Japan. And you know, I, I get flustered at some title situations. I got flustered when they changed the IWGP heavyweight title design you know this because i thought the other one looked like a price one and so forth and, and it had the lineage and, and and it sucks that they just cut it off it's not a combination it's a new title with a new lineage and it kind of pisses me off and I, and I still haven't quite overcome it but that's another thing that's the world title that's the one inoki created you know well the second one um <laughs> but that's still the one that, you know it's the one that has the prestige the history that's been treated as a prize this is the fucking Neverweight title. What are, what, what are we even talking about? Come on now. But we are going to close up tonight. Um, and, and, and look, there's more stuff that I want to talk about, but I'm going to save it for the Going Broadway show. What is Going Broadway, Warren? I'm glad you asked. Going Broadway is the, is the members-only stream that I do for members of the Mr. Warren Hayes show channel right here on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Become a member. And then we, I stream live extra thoughts, things that I want that I'm not able to cover on the podcast. I cover them for the members on a Friday at lunchtime. So you're just sitting around, you know, you're at work, whatever you, you're on your lunch break or you're at your desk or you, you're leaving the shop for a few minutes You plug me in and, and more wrestling talk. And we got the live chat. We talk a lot. It's a good time going Broadway. I'll be talking about how I feel WWE is the same. I don't, I have, I've got reasons, they're clear, they're specific. If you want to come talk about how I think, how I think, the Triple H era means diddly doo da. can come listen to me. Become a member. Join right now. Gift memberships. Be generous. Give them to your fellow 
men, uh, women, and non-binary people here. Here we go, though. New Japan Royal Quest was finally released this weekend. Uh, this is a show that happened about 10 days ago. Uh, well, at this point, 14 days ago? No, 19 days ago. Um, New Japan Royal Quest 2. Uh, the uh, the return of the annual New Japan show over in the UK in collaboration with their partners there over at Rev Pro, uh, and uh, this was uh, th this event was released on New Japan World this past weekend, and as it stands right now, um, and well, this and, and this was recorded. This was on uh, on two nights over two nights, uh, October first and second over in London, England at the Crystal Palace National Sports Center. Let's talk about night one to begin with. I'm going to give you a review of this of this event, uh, which overall I thought had... Overall, I think had an okay show. Very strong highlights, but a lot of very middling stuff. Um, I think this is one of these shows where... Uh, I will recommend, heartily recommend some matches for you. Um, and uh, and those are the ones you should focus on. The rest is pretty skippable. But let's get to it. First match that we had the pleasure of watching was Gabriel Kidd defeating Dan Maloney. Um, two young guys, of course. Fun physical opener between them both. Good to see Gabriel Kidd back on the circuit. He's looking good. Maloney hits a spear and a stuffed pile driver. Huge Larry and a brain buster by Kid, who hits a pile driver for the win. Again, like just a a, a fun uh, prelim match with two prelim uh, great athletes. Just super solid opener. Fun, fun, even more fun than some matches that happen later on in the uh, on the card. Then we get a tag team match between Michael Oku and Ricky Knight Jr. Defeating the United Empire uh, combination of Great Ocon and Gideon Gray. Uh, lots of nonsense in this match, principally because of Gideon Gray, who is, you know, he's this, you know, he's the goof sock puppet who tries, you know, who who tries to wrestle, but he can't. He's a great, you know, a great shit heel. But uh, Great Ocon does takes up a lot of the workload here. Uh, RKJ and Noku have great showings here as two of the top guys in Rev Pro. Um, uh, 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 Oku lands a Fosbury flop. RKJ with a somersault cannonball over the post. Uh, 450 by RKJ. Uh, frog splash by um, by Oku. And uh, Ricky Knight Jr. lands the midnight driver for the win. Fun match. And in case you're wondering, yes... Ricky Knight Jr. is part of that that Knight family, indeed. With uh, he is indeed the son of Ricky Knight. Uh, he's related to Soraya, so on and so forth. It's uh, all that clan of British wrestlers. Great talent as well. On top of that, and he is currently the Ref Pro uh, British uh, Heavyweight Champion which is their top title, in case you're wondering. It's like, Warren, I didn't watch Rev, Rev Pro. What did that mean? Well, that's what it means. Then we had a tag team match, but Alex Windsor and Ava White defeated Jazzy Gabbard and Kanji. 
So uh, there are two stories actually in this match here. Uh, the first one uh, being uh, Windsor and Kanji. Uh, Windsor is the uh, Rev Pro Women's Champion. Kanji is the Southside Women's Champion. And Southside Wrestling, how long has there not been a match? Uh, or have they not been putting on cards? It's been like forever. So they're shutting down. So they're going to merge, uh, unify, I should say, right? That's the correct That's the correct terminology in, in pro wrestling. Um Windsor and Kanji, uh, they're going to they're going to have a match uh, in Rev Pro to unify the South Side and Rev Pro Women's titles. So that's one story that they have going there. The IWGP Women's Title Tournament is the other story here happening between Jazzy Gabbard and Ava White, who are qualifying to get well, who are in a, um, who are in, who are going to have a match on night two. Uh, to determine who moves on in the uh, in the tournament, so um, so there was a, there was a lot of that going on here. Uh, a lot of well, those two stories, pretty good showing by both teams, putting on some solid solid action. Everyone working to their strengths, like a tag team situation. This situation should do situation. Windsor though uh, uh, gets the win over Kanji, and she shows she's a cut above everyone. Alex Windsor is an absolutely fantastic pro wrestler. She wrestles a lot out of uh, Pro Wrestling Eve in the UK. Uh, this is a woman who needs to get on to North American radar. She needs to travel overseas. This woman is the real deal. She's fantastic. Uh, can't say uh, can't say enough nice things about her. She really is fantastic. Um, uh, under undersold, underappreciated here in North America. Um, get get her some bookings, Jesus. Six man tag match happened next. The the Lij uh, troop of uh, Hiromu Takahashi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito defeated the Suzuki Gun trio of Doki El Desperado and Zack Saber Jr. Tetsuya Naito and Zack Saber Jr. were having a match on night two for the U.S. title. So there was a lot of storytelling here. And as always, LIJ Trio's matches are fun, fast-paced. Hiromu Takahashi and El Desperado, um, they they do a lot of great work to start off. It all breaks down on the floor with the scumbags mangling the LIJ dudes. Zack Sabre Jr. has a fun spot where he grapevines Sonata's leg and then abdominal stretches uh, uh, Tetsuya Naito while maintaining the grapevine, I thought that was a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, LIJ triple team Doki, who gets dropped by Naito with a Valencia and a Destino for the win. Setting up some tension for the next night. Fun little match. We had a chaos uh, tag team made up of Tomohiro Ishii and the man, Kazuchiko Kata. They defeated... Bad dude Tito and Zack Knight. Yes, Zack Knight. That uh, same family, all related. I believe he's the uncle to Soraya and uh, Ricky Knight Jr., I think. Anyway, this was fine, but there was really not more about it. The match was supposed to be Bad Dude Tito and Jonah against the Chaos Dudes. But Jonah couldn't uh, travel because of the hurricane. He was stuck in Florida. Um, and that was really a bummer, especially for night two, but we'll get to that. Um, I thought the match in it about itself was a little long, especially for the outcome, which was so predictable. 
and I was like, why isn't this cut short? Why is why isn't Kazuchika Okada just destroying Zack Knight? No disrespect. You know, it's just let's go through it. But what are you gonna do? You have an audience full of people who came to see Kazuchika Okada wrestle, right? They came to see him wrestle, not squash a guy. Uh, Okada doesn't come to the UK very often, right? You want to give the people the money's worth. So I understand the predicament you're in. But as a viewer, where you know what's going on, you're like, ah, all right, all right, all right, all right. Bad dude Tito, bad dude Tito held his ground. Uh, held his own in this solid but unremarkable match. She hit the brain buster for the win. Skippable. The Gorillas of Destiny, made up of Hikaleo, Jado, and Tamatanga, and Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeated the Bullet Club team of Doc Gallows, Carl Anderson, Gato, and Jay White. This is probably my least favorite match of the evening. Um, what probably didn't help this match was that they were playing up a lot the Tamatanga, Jay White story, right? Which, because this match was leading into the world title match that Tamatanga had against Jay White at Declaration of Power. But we had already seen this match. This event had already happened. So we hadn't seen, uh, uh, um, we, you know, the, the, uh, we hadn't seen uh, Royal Quest, but we already knew the end result of the, of the Tamatanga Jay White feud, and it's with Jay White retaining the title. So it's like, uh, this is all kind of played out, right? Hiroshi Tanahashi hits the high fly flow on Gato for the win. There you go. Utterly skippable. Now we're starting to cook here. Will Ospreay <clears throat> defeated Shooter Shota Umino via referee's decision. I'm going to tell you, Shota Umino, he's been, uh, he's been up and down when it comes to, um, to, you know, his presentation, so on and so forth. He looks fantastic. He looks in shape, in fantastic shape these days. And it cannot be overstated. It absolutely cannot be overstated. And in case you're wondering, in case you're like, wait, Shota Umino, this sounds familiar to me. He's the, the young lion who was, uh, who was uh, um, uh, 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 directed to um, uh, John Moxley in Moxley's G1 reign in, uh, in, in 2019. Uh, G1 reign, what am I talking about? His G1 <laughs> run, it's not a reign. When John Moxley was a part of the New Japan uh, G1 climax in 2019. So that's the kid there. So Shota is still continuing on, and he's still carrying the John Moxley leather jacket as well with him as a prop, which always, which is always fantastic. And a great poised opening sequence with some really good heat building. Eventually goes to the floor with a Pescado. Excellent sequence at some point with both of them back in the ring. Then ends up with a running shooting star press by Will Ospreay. Umino lifts up his knees. Uh, he hits the ropes. Uh, after that, but Osprey catches him into a powerbomb. Just great stuff. Umino counters uh, an Oz cutter with a cutter of his own, which was great. Uh, Osprey hits a huge jumping Liger bomb as well. And then he mounts 
Shota Umino, who's on his flat on his face. So he, he has a back mount on him, and he's just raining elbows on the back of uh, Umino's neck. Red Shoes, who is the referee, but also just happens to be Shota Umino's father, calls for the stoppage. He calls the match. He sees his son being unable to, to defend himself, and he just calls the match. So, Osprey wins, but the question here is, this you know opens up a question, right? It's like, did, did his fatherly heart call for the end of the match? Or could... Could Shooter have been able to get uh, rise up, you know, get a little fire, fighting spirit going and fight back? Was he truly, truly in a bad position? Or was it just dad looking out for his son? We don't know. But what this does create is an opening for another match. And you know what? This was very good. And I recommend going to check out this match. Shota and Will Ospreay have some real chemistry. Umino has improved so much from the last time that I've seen him wrestle. He is, um, he was incredible in this match. So was Will Ospreay, but Will Ospreay is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. So, you know, you know at some point, saying Will Ospreay had a great match is just redundancy. This was a great, great match that I highly recommend you go check out. Despite, despite the screwball finish, because what it means is we're going to get another one. And these guys have a better one in the tank. This is what it means. Because we didn't get the big climactic ending. It was sort of taken away from us. That would have probably pushed the match forward. But this was really the first really great match of the weekend and of this show. But then we get the IWGP tag team title match. Where FTR successfully retained their titles against Aussie Open. Now, I'm sure you've heard the hype around this match. You've seen a lot of discussion about it online when it happened. People who were watching, um, who were watching this online, uh, people who were watching this live, you know, were heading to Twitter and were like, this match was great, this match was great, this match was great, match of the year. Even Dax Harwood went to Twitter to say, you know, I had, we had great matches with the Briscoes, don't get me wrong, but this one was a cut above. Um, one of my favorite matches I've ever been in, so on and so forth. Warren, what it, was this match any good? Is it as great as people say it was? And I can say with absolute confidence, yes, it absolutely is an outstanding wrestling match. One of the best matches you're going to see this year. And, and again, again, the connecting tissue is FTR pulling out another fucking match of the year here. It ruled. It absolutely ruled. There's some good wrestling exchange to begin with between Cash Wheeler and, and, and Kyle Fletcher. And we, you know, we talk a lot about Dax and his year, right? Because he did a lot of singles matches and Dax is a big personality and, 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 and with reason, right? Okay, and that's fine. But Cash Wheeler, man, he is something else. He's a, you know, he's, I, I find, you know, that Dax's shadow is pretty long, but holy shit, you know, we forget how good Cash is, and he he was amazing in this match. Dax and, and, and Mark Davis, they wail on each other, brother. Their chests are opened up and bleeding, like straight off the gate. Uh, Ozzy opened to a super collider on the floor. 
cash back superplexes Fletcher there's a brain buster by Fletcher big strike exchange between Dax and Davis and honestly I could take 20 minutes of Harwood and, and 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 Davis Dax Harwood and Mark Davis just going at it for 20 minutes solo uh, these guys are on another level with each other they've got they've got that thing they just a spark something where you're like everything connects everything works and you just want to see them beat the shit out of each other some more it was just fantastic stuff Dax gets busted open good and proper uh there's an airplane spin uh as, as well by uh by mark davis a flying crossbody by cash and a slingshot slingshot liger bomb by dax and then this there's a superplex on dax right so he's on the mat fletch fletcher goes up the goes up to the ropes for a big splash knees up but almost instantaneously cash wheeler goes for a big splash on Mark Davis and Mark Davis lifts his knees just wonderful timing just pinpoint sequencing excellent stuff spike pile driver by FTR can't put Aussie open away we get some great near falls out of all of this a gory bomb by cash Dax and Davis slug it out some more and I'm up on my feet and like let's fucking go stereo sharpshooters by FTR and they're both in the ring and Davis he's the legal man and he's in pain and he's he lifts his arm to tap out but Fletcher he grabs his hand and he starts slapping the shit some sense into him he's like no you are not gonna tap out and that just fires them up both and they fight out of the sharpshooters they hit a big rig on FTR everything breaks down they go for the Coriolis FTR avoids it and FTR finally lands the big the big rig for the win I can't put this match over enough. This was great. And it's another solid, incredible match of the year candidate. Now, let's say we're shooting the shit. Warren, where do you put this on the pantheon of uh, of FTR matches in, in, in 2022? Because 2022 is a career year for FTR. Make no bones about it. This is, it, 2022 belongs to them. And this is their defining year. And they've arguably had three matches of the year with this one here. I would still say that my favorite match out of, that my favorite FTR match is the one against the Briscoes uh, from um, Supercard of Honor, right? Which was the, 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 the first one. I would put this one second. I would put their match with the Bucks third and then um and then uh briscoe's ftr two and not saying oh well the other ones aren't they're all fantastic matches but this list is subject subject to change anyway fantastic fin of course i finally I, of course i highly recommend this match you sh this is more than a highly recommend you go out of your way to watch it you find some time you find someone, you, you subscribe to New Japan for just to watch this. It'll be worth the 10 bucks, trust me. Then, um, so that concluded night one of Royal Quest 2. We move on to night two, which of course was on October 2nd then. 
Started off with uh, Doki and El Desperado defeating Michael Oku and Robbie X. Fun, fast-paced opener. You know, I don't think Doki is over, is more over anywhere else in the world than, um, uh, is more over anywhere else in the world than in the United Kingdom. I really don't. The Suzuki boys, Suzuki boys get the win. Fine. Good little opener. Then we had a tag team match. The, the LIJ team of Hiromu Takahashi and Sanada defeated the Young Guns, Ethan Allen and Luke Jacobs. Fun tag match. Luke Jacobs is the current RevPro Cruiserweight Champion. And, and, and he's one of these beefy cruiserweights. He's one of these Shingo types. Where you look at him and he's like, you're like, nah, are you sure you're 220 kind of thing or whatever. No, the cru- well, I mean, look, I think I, I think like cruiserweight isn't cruiserweight two hundred five. Cruiserweight is two hundred and five pounds, seems to me, and light heavyweight is two twenty. Right? Isn't that what it is? My my, you know, whatever. It might change from promotion to promotion. It doesn't matter. He hits a beautiful liger bomb on uh, on Hiromu, uh, and you know the accidental low blow that Sonata does, or that he, you know, he did once. Can't remember which show it was. I think it was during a G1 where he falls back and the momentum of his leg lifts up. Uh, oh yeah, Shingo was absolutely a light heavyweight. He was he was in the Super Juniors. Trust me, when he came into New Japan, he was a light heavyweight. Um, he, um, you know, he falls on his back and then the momentum the momentum carries one of his legs up to sock a guy in the balls. You know, you remember that? Now apparently it's become a thing that he does often and, and it annoys me. I don't like it. The young guns hit a doomsday device, but Sonata cinches in the skull end for the win. IWGP Women's Title Tournament first round match. Jazzy Gabbard defeated Ava White. Look, here's the thing. Ava White is very, she's very new to the business and she, while she has a lot of naturals, she has a long way to go. And I understand why you can't put, you know, in, in your relationship that you have with Rev Pro, these are Rev Pro women, right? Ava White, Alex Windsor, Kanji, and I can understand why you don't want to, why you can't or don't want to put Alex Windsor in the tournament because she's currently your women's champion and you don't want your women's champion to lose and maybe New Japan is like look we don't want your champion in here because we don't want the politicking that comes along with you having one of your champions with us you know, like I can understand but Alex Windsor would have been such a better choice if we're being honest you know and Ava White is it's a bit of a weird decision but Jazzy man she is so head over heels uh, on top of her game here she's look she's so much better than Ava White uh, and Jazzy had a good showing and she connected a great surfboard on white here as well. Um, but, I mean, she was completely outclassed. And maybe this is the story they were telling. And I'm not saying she was outclassed in a kayfabe type of story. It's like she's... Ava White has a long way to go. Jazzy Gabbard wins with the Yanoki Plex. So Jazzy's moving forward. In the tournament... We had a 10-man tag team match, which was a highlight of this show. The United Empire team of Gideon Gray, Great O'Conn, Kyle Fletcher, Mark Davis, and Will Ospreay 
defeated FTR, Gabriel Kidd, Ricky Knight Jr., and Shota Umino. This was a blast. A blast. Crowd was super behind it, especially with Gideon Gray trying to punch Dax Harwood, and Dax was no-selling. It was fantastic stuff. Mark Davis power slams Great Ocon, and they chop at each other, and it ends with an exploder. Absolutely fantastic. And there's another absolutely fantastic sequence where with Cash Wheeler, where he schoolboys Fletcher. Fletcher pushes him out right into Will Ospreay, which catch who catches who Cash grabs and uh, and grabs him into a Manhattan drop like and so smooth, clean. Everyone hitting their spots, positioning, so on and so. Great stuff. World class pro wrestlers doing world class pro wrestling shit. Will Osprey does a sky twister off of Mark Davis's back. Great Ocon pins Ricky Knight Jr. for the win. Fun, fast-paced, well-timed. Everyone getting their spots in. Everyone getting their fun in. I like this match tremendously. I highly recommend it. If you want just a fun match with great pro wrestlers doing great things. Or, you know, you can go watch a Dominic match. This is up to you. I want to say hello to Rumble Talk. Welcome to the stream, the show, the podcast. The Gorillas of Destiny setup of Hikaleo and Tamatanga alongside Hiroshi Tanahashi defeated the Bullet Club team of Carl Anderson, Doc Gallows, and Jay White. This was the same match as the night before, except the old dudes weren't there in the match. Jado and Gato. It's on the same level with just no enjoyment in it. Same match, same level of effort. It's crazy. This is like this is my ultimate analysis of this match. It's crazy that Hiroshi Tanahashi is in this match here and he can't get the crowd lit up. Tamatanga gets the gun stun on Doc for the win. Skippable. Kazuchika Okada defeated bad dude Tito again because of the travel issues this was supposed to be. Kazuchika Okada versus Jonah. So uh, very generic, but probably would have been a lot more compelling had Tito been higher up on the card and more credible as a threat. He's, look, this is not a knock against him as a talent. He's quite good, but he's not on the level of sustaining a heat-filled match with Kazuchika Okada. He's just not. And in fact, you could look at this match and look at the setup and be like, Kazu, run, run this boy over. You know? I think it, it all sort of took out of the interest of the match. And it was, you know, I thought it went a little... It went like eight minutes. It felt longer. It's one of those. Rainmaker for the win. Skip Skip. However, do not skip Tomohiro Ishii versus Yoda Suji. This was a great one. This was a lot of fun. Yoda is still, you know, he's he 
coming out of his uh, of his young lion status. He's morphing into his his full pro personality. And look, if Ren Narita is going to be challenging, uh, excuse me, channeling Katsuyuri Shibata, Suji is going to be challenging channeling Hiroki Goto. Trust me. Big test of strength between Suji and Ishii here. Huge back kick uh, by by Suji and a Topikan Hilo. Ishii fires up to the delight of the crowd, and both guys slap each other. And 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 Suji is smiling as he slaps Ishii. He's like, I'm I'm you know he's doing a bit of the young cocky upstart, big strong powerful dude, and he's got Tomohiro Ishii who is a big strong powerful dude. He's like. I'm the next generation. I'm here to slap you around, motherfucker, kind of thing. But uh, that ain't happening because they because Ishii fights back and big palm strikes and a huge German by Suji and Suji. He's he gets really rugged with Ishii at some points with knees and a head stomp and and an Alabama slam followed by a jackknife pin attempt and lariats and we get some fighting spirit between the both. A spear by Suji. Ishii kicks out of it. We get more strikes and Ishii wraps it up with the brain buster. Look, if you like two big guys fighting each other uh, with fire, you know, with, 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 with determination and grit and they're just, they're just beating the hell out of each other like a good old Tomohiro Ishii match should be, this one's for you. Recommend. I highly recommend it. I would say it is my match of the night for night two. And then we wrapped up the proceedings uh, with a singles match between Tetsuya Naito where he defeated Zack Sabre Jr. Good match between these two here. Quite enjoyable, I'd say. A lot of fun. Naito was in a good mood, so he was playing up to the crowd quite a bit. Fucks around with Zack Sabre Jr. for a while. Junior Saber starts to twist him up and work the arm. Twist him up mercilessly, actually. But uh, Naito hits a neckbreaker, turns the tide. He gets Zack Saber Jr. into a full Nelson leg hold and starts to fuck with him some more. Naito tries to fight back, but guess what? Zack Saber Jr. has an answer for everything. We get a Zack driver as um, as Naito works the neck. Of uh, Saber, a PK and a tornado DDT by Zack Saber Jr. and a dragon suplex all connect, but it is a destino that puts Zack Saber Jr. away. Good stuff. Fun main event, super solid match, don't get me wrong. Great, great finish. Uh, I think this makes Tetsuya Naito the number one contender for Will Ospreay's. IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship. Good for good for Tetsuya. Keeping him busy. Fun stuff. And look, like I said, I think uh, you know I wouldn't outright recommend either night and say yeah these are too fun. Like there's the there's a couple of lows on both nights where you're like wow this isn't great. Mostly fun stuff, but there's some really excellent matches that I've all recommended to you. If you just want to skip to those, you'll be absolutely fine. Uh, but go out of your way to watch FTR versus Aussie Open. It is as good as everyone says it is. Can't, can't complain about it. 
Neither can you complain about this being the end of the weekly wrestling inspection. I guess you could complain. Like, you could complain if you wanted. But, you know, it's kind of weird for you to complain about the end of the of the weekly wrestling inspection because, you know, you'd be like... Maybe you'd be like, no, it's not weird because then you'd be like, Warren, we'd like you to talk more. Well, look, if you want me to talk more... Become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel. I'll be doing a, 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 a stream, a live stream for members only tomorrow, Friday, over lunch. I'm going to be talking about uh, WWE, uh, what, and what's been going on over, over the past few weeks. Bray Wyatt's return on Friday. Let's chat about that. And the AEW docuseries. Well, you got some stuff to talk about. Come and join us. You got to become a member. Become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel right here. Otherwise, do not forget this was this is the swan song for Thursday nights for the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I will be back next Tuesday to start off a brand new streak of uh, streaming and, and live recordings on Tuesday nights. 7 p.m. Eastern is when we're going to start the stream. 6 Central. Hope you guys can make it. Moving that along. Also, don't forget to check out my AEW Dynamite review, which is also available on uh, on your podcast feeds or on uh, the Mr. Warren Hay Show YouTube channel as well. So I'm just all I'm doing is I'm creating more content, more stuff, and I want and I'm setting myself up to talk about more things that I really want to talk about. So who's going to win in this situation? Well, me first and foremost because I'm making myself happy, but hopefully all of you as well will end up winning as well. See you guys on Tuesday. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week. Thank you, everyone who joined us live here tonight. Have a great rest of your night as well. I'll see you next time.